0: Hello and welcome back to another
1: episode of the Hockey News on the A podcast. I'm Jacob Stoller from the Hockey News alongside Patrick Williams from the AHL.com here for our second last regular season episode with the, the home stretch well underway here. Pat, how are we doing? Good. How are you? Pretty good. You sound great, man. Pat got a nice, sweet pod- podcast set up there.
0: I do. Yes. You're a pro now. Uh, you're a whiz. It's a uh, late season acquisition. Late, <laughs> Exactly.
1: And well, you know, speaking of late season news, this one was interesting. So I think it was on Monday, Elliot Friedman mentioned on the Jeff Merrick show that the Chicago Wolves were, that an email went out basically about how the Chicago Wolves were looking at operating independently next year. So I, you know, after which point I saw that, I dug into it a bit, and an agent sent me the email, which was sent to like over 100 plus, 120 plus player agents, where Wendell Young informed them that they're probably going to be going uh, without an affiliate for next season and that they're still looking to find NHL and AHL caliber players. And further to that, they wouldn't be opposed to taking players on loan. And the Wolves are one of how many independently owned teams, Pat? Nine? Eight? Uh, Eleven. Eleven, right now, okay. Probably. So what that basically would mean, too, is under you know their affiliation with Carolina, for instance, some players are signed by Chicago, some are by Carolina. And that's kind of how a lot of the independently run teams work. So, Pat, what's your initial reaction of when you heard kind of the news and that this is the way that Chicago was going to go?
0: One quick thing I need to say here, uh, whether it's this topic or really anything else, uh, as always, I don't speak as a representative of the league. Yeah, so I guess first the background is that so there's independently owned clubs and then there are independent clubs in terms of affiliation.
1: Right. You know, it's good. Um, if, good distinction. If, You're right.
0: Um, independently owned. There's a lot of different ways that you can structure that arrangement um, in terms of who's paying for what, in terms of players. Uh, maybe you have X number of players on AHL contracts, X number of players on NHL two ways, um, you know, players on AHL ECHL two ways. So there are a lot of, I mean, there are a lot of variables, a lot of wrinkles, kind of, it's a case by case basis. Independent teams are a whole nother kettle of fish. And that's where it gets interesting because the league has not had a true independent team since 1994-95 right. as the Worcester Ice Cats. That was actually, um, you'd have to go all the way back. That was Dave Andrews' first season um, taking over uh, as president. That's, so that, We were talking nearly 30 years. And before that, you have to go back to 1991-92, the New Haven Nighthawks. Uh, for one year. It's generally kind of a stopgap measure um, for a team that maybe gets caught late in the season without an affiliation for the following year. They still want to be in business and yet they don't have affiliation. And, and this was much more common during the days of the IHL, mm-hmm. right? When you would have affiliations bounce back and forth between the two leagues, and then you could have a situation where, okay, we're kind of left uh, left without affiliate. NHL wise, but Hey, we still want to operate. So I, I went back all the way to really about to the early seventies. Um, and that was sort of the last time that you really more or less saw independent teams a, a, as a, as a thing. Right. Because I mean,
1: and there was no veteran rule too. Hey, like that was no veteran. That's,
0: rule. Yeah. The veteran rule. Yeah. Is, uh, came in in the nineties. So that's a whole And nother. just for
1: those that don't know, Pat, pa, tell us what the veteran rule is just so we have it out there.
0: Without getting too far into the weeds. Basically, um, five players um, and and one vet exempt. So, essentially, five players are, um, you know, they can play more than 320 pro games. You know, everything basically excluding the ECHL. And then you have another player around uh, 260. So, essentially, you have six spots for, for quote-unquote veterans, right? Which is um,
1: over 260 games, right?
0: Yeah. So, basically, the whole idea, that was that was one of Dave Andrews, really his first moves was to bring that in as a way to distinguish the AHL from the IHL as the place to develop prospects. And that was kind of what sent the age on its way and helped them eventually win that battle way back, you know, back, going back to 2001. Right. Um, you know, that, that's been the HL's bread and butter now for, for 25 plus years. So um, there really isn't, at least in the modern 25 <laughs> year era anything to sort of compare this to so that's where it gets interesting
1: it's a good point just a brief overview so for a long time chicago was also the affiliate of the atlanta thrashers for about a 10-year period actually from 2001 to 2011 and then you know in the last 10 years or 10 plus years chicago has had affiliations with a variety of of teams so from 2011 to 2013 they're with the vancouver canucks 2013 to 2017 they were the affiliate of the st louis blues Then when the Vegas Golden Knights came into the league for the 17-18 season, they were their affiliate for three years. And then, so since the COVID year, they've been Carolina's affiliate. But also during that COVID year, 2020-21, they had some players from Milwaukee as well because they weren't operating. So it was kind of a a smorgasbord of players there. I kind of want to ask you, Pat, like in terms of what this means for the team economically as a business, is this a good thing? Like, is this a a thing where Chicago gets, you know, better players, doesn't need to worry about adhering to the affiliates needs and can put out the best product on the ice. Or is there a, a negative trade-off in the sense of you don't have high quality prospects to market necessarily to bring fans to games?
0: I guess we're going to see. I mean, I think it's important for everyone to note that this is Chicago for, for 20 plus years since they came over in 2001 has been one of the best, uh, strongest franchises on and off the ice. They've won, uh, you know, three quarter cups, right? I mean, they, the first year they came in, they went, won the quarter cup right off the bat. Um, so, um, and they, they won two of them with Atlanta and then this one last season with Carolina. So, hmm. um, they, they've always, always put a winning product, no matter who their, their affiliates been. Um, they've been to the finals other times, um, and so it's going to be answered. I mean, Will this I guess be a that's... super
1: team. Will this be a super team?
0: I don't think it can be because of the veteran rule. That's where right. it gets. If but then, for... but
1: then no, but then poses the question, Pat of, can they exploit the secondary market? So guys that are on the cusp of being veterans, but aren't veterans going into the year, but have that experience and then overpay them. That's what I wonder is if they do, we see them dominate and really take over that secondary market because of how much they need those guys.
0: They could, Uh, that's, uh, GM Wendell young. Uh, he's very Very highly respected, highly respected. Um, you know, he's kind of has run the show there, uh, since really since 2008, since he took over that, that current role. Uh, I would say if there's not many people that could do that, but if, uh, if there is somebody that can do that, he would certainly be part of that group. Um, it depends, I guess, on the sales pitch. Now, it will be a difficult sales pitch in one sense that you're saying, Come play for us,
1: you have no chance from the NHL,
0: technically. But at least for this year, the NHL is probably not in the cards for you. So, and we know players that you know they can be hanging on even by a thread in the HL, but they still harbor that NHL aspiration. So, um, I think that will be a challenge now. If, I guess if you if you can sell it the right way, and certainly um, they, they are financially healthy, so they're mm-hmm. able to certainly, I think, pay. And remember, there's no salary cap in the HO either. Exactly. So.
1: But also, remember this too, is Chicago also now, like in terms of the sales pitch, in, in seeing the email from what I gathered, was they seem to make a good pitch in the sense of like, listen, if your client is on the cusp Kind of that quad A kind of person or a good HL player, you want a chance to to really go for it and win a championship, this is where it's going to be done, right? And there's a certain type of player that is. But I also think what's, and this was mentioned by Elliot Freeman in the initial report, is that he cited, you know, a source or someone that he was in contact with that's made a, cool, a good point that this could become a great place to stash a third-tier goaltender. Yes, And Chicago could really, really take advantage of that.
0: And goalies don't count against the veteran rule either.
1: Exactly. So, so there is, I think there's potential for this to be, especially because they're very well run. And mm-hmm. you know in talking to people about kind of how that whole operation worked, I can understand why affiliates would be upset, right? Because you want your 10 guys to, but then again, if you're doing a shared affiliation, granted, um, you kind of have to expect some of that because it's not your staff in its entirety. Some of it may be. But, you know, when you're not adhering to the big club and there's all that friction, I can get why it doesn't make sense. But a lot of people in the hockey world respect the heck out of Wendell Young. And I think that with no NHL affiliation kind of throwing a wrench in things, he could build a really good team.
0: There's, I mean, there, that's the thing with affiliations. There are pros and cons, right? Like, And it, it just yeah. comes down to which pros that you most value and which cons you're most able to live with. And... Uh, we're going to see, I guess, one way or the other if this works, right? This is going to be a fascinating experiment to, to see it unfold because, like I said, we've never, never seen this since you have to go back to the '90s, and, and it was a whole different landscape back then. Totally. Obviously, I mean, Dave Andrews came in and overhauled the AHL. I mean, right from that point forward,
1: for sure. And the last thing I will say is, in terms of how it affects the league as a whole, probably not all too much. But I, what I will say is. Hey, if they become, whether it's like a juggernaut or just a really good team consistently, they can become a good measuring stick for young, inexperienced teams as the years goes on. So I think that it's not all negative in that sense, um, though I understand how, you know, maybe what didn't make sense to them to have an affiliate going forward, given how they want to do things their way. And hey, if they own the team, why not? Let's, uh, wait, Pat, let's move on to our prospect of the week. Um, a guy that we really, you know, we've talked about him before, but we can't not talk about him. Dustin Wolf, goaltender for the Calgary Wranglers. You know, he came on once, he's a friend of the show, but with how good he's playing, he may be one of the best friends of the show. The 21 yeah. year year old goaltender is probably for my money the best player in the league, goalie and player included. He's having a fantastic season. He's of a 49-2-1 record and a 932 save percentage. And that's all great. But here's where it gets really crazy. I did some real digging all afternoon today, and I was astonished. Goal saved above average is a, is a stat calculated that basically gives you an idea, especially in historical lenses where save, average save percentage is changed by year. So like last year was a 903 save percentage. The year before was 903. Seven years ago, it was 914 or whatever, right? So when you're comparing how good someone does historically, you got to really even the, the playing field. So goal saved above, above average does that. Wolf this year in his sophomore year has 46.19 goals saved above average. That's the most of any goaltender in the last decade that has played a minimum of 20 games and the next like second to him is Garrett Sparks, who's I think 13 whole goals saved above average lower than him. I don't know what other, what else I can pump his tires with, but Pat, like this guy has got to be the front runner for MVP now.
0: Find me a player that's more valuable to his team than Dustin Wolf. I mean, that's sort of my criteria, you know, like the simplest way to look at it. Right. I mean, we saw last night they go to Coachella Valley. So this was, a, I mean, this was a heavyweight battle. Number one, number two teams in the league, they, they came in even in points, even in point percentage. It was just tiebreakers that was the one-two. And Dustin Wolf comes in against, you know, a really talented Coachella Valley team, pulls out a 3-1 win. Um I mean, good good on any team. If you knock out Calgary this spring in the playoffs, Yeah, I mean, you have earned it, right? Like, because you will have to play one heck of a series to beat him. I mean...
1: He's miraculous. I've and, yeah
0: seen a lot of players come through this league. Like I mean, I saw Miko Rantanen come through. I, you know, there's been some real yeah. high end stud players. Wolf's been the most dominant player I've seen in the last, let's say, 15 years. It's just been phenomenal to watch him grow.
1: I wrote about him for the magazine, and he was re- he was a really interesting guy to talk to. And you know, first I talked to Brett Sutter. Actually, he has been around for a thousand plus HL games, and he was like. Man, I'm telling you, that guy, like he's got it. You know, he's got that it factor. But the big thing with Wolf, Wolf always, you know, he was a seventh round pick because he's six feet. I asked Wolf about it, kind of like, you know, does it annoy you a bit that it's kind of always in every interview like I have to ask, right? Because it's a big knock on you. He's like, Yeah, you know, I think I've I've got people to shut their shut their lips a little bit. And it's just like, yeah. You know, like I think if you're if you're looking at Dustin and Wolf of any concern about his size, you're overthinking it, and you're not watching him play. I think like Soros is six feet. Wolf, it, what Wolf is doing right now is, is straight up spectacular.
0: I just said it's like the best season in the last decade. I mean, I think people overthink these things way too much. Oh, you know, this guy's six two, this guy's six three. I mean, come on, you know, does he stop the puck or not? Does he have good right. technique? Is he athletic? But he's my point more up. so
1: is if, if he is stopping the puck this well, why are you looking at his height? Like, this is, we're talking about a, a second consecutive year where he's been the well, this year he's the undoubtedly best. Last year, I don't know, top two, top three. You can make a debate for other people, but we're talking about twenty twenty one year old in the AHL doing this well. I don't care if he's five foot two; <laughs> he's that good. So, I want to ask you one thing about Wolf. We said for a while now that he's ready. We, we, I think I remember you came back from the All Star break and you were like, "Dustin Wolf," and I think he was to stall too. But he's ready. Yeah. Did Calgary make the right choice keeping him down, or as we see? Yes, Markstrom's getting better recently, and Calgary's kind of the push. Is Calgary kind of you know wasting an opportunity to get a real game changer up at the big club?
0: It's a good question. Yeah. I mean,
1: I probably I, mean,
0: I always want to err on the side of keeping them down longer than than the other than than too too short. Um, yeah, it is such a I think such a stressful, dicey situation really all year with the Flames, and yeah, you know, it's just not been not been a great situation for them so i i, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world he's going to go on a playoff run here maybe he goes all the way to the cup last year he went to the game series to the western final um you know for my money that was sort of the, the calder cup matchup right like it was totally. chicago Stockton was i mean the two best teams you know in that final four by four and um he played an absolute juggernaut and he, he he matched them right and he pushed them and they you know, with a bounce here or there, they could have they could have won that series. And then for him to come back the way he has this year now and, and say, "All right, I had a good first year. I'm gonna come back and even, yeah, <laughs> not only gonna du- duplicate, I'm gonna go above and beyond that." I think yeah. that's where I've been like, "Wow, okay, so now now he's a chance to go on another run, possibly win a cup. Um, he's gonna get fantastic experience either way. I think the next year, though, I mean." how do you send it back? Right. Like,
1: Oh, no, there's no it? chance. There's no chance,
0: but there is a situation there. you know contract wise, right. In, oh, in, I know salary, in net. So that's going to be,
1: it is, that's right. where it's
0: going to get complicated. Right. I mean, I
1: can so see that, you know, you're right. You're right.
0: And you know, that's when you start getting the cap issues You start getting into the, you know, long-term contracts and there's a whole nother whole nother discussion altogether. So, yeah. but, um,
1: Hey, yeah, where do you go with that? Now, it's not a,
0: the worst problem in the world to have.
1: I think Wolf will play well. If I had to predict, I, I, I would say that Wolf will play well enough that they have no choice but to play him.
0: I think. I, I would. Agree. I, that I think. I think once he goes up there, people will be like, "Wow, why didn't we do this sooner?"
1: Yeah. You know? No, I and, agree.
0: You know, and of course that will be hindsight, but it, he's one of those players I don't see him coming back. Once he goes up, that's it. It won't be one of those situations where maybe he goes up and down for a bit. I think he's he goes up, he stays and. We we check back in 10, 12 years, uh, you know, with his NHL career.
1: I agree. I want to move on to a team that I, I've been you know, I've been texting you nonstop about that I'm just so head over heels for as a Calder Cup pick, and I'm so excited, I can't wait. I have to just say it so it's on the record before our uh, Calder Cup preview show. I think the Milwaukee Admirals look really, really good. Now, maybe not necessarily they're six, three, and one, their last ten, which is like nothing crazy. But they're doing that without Phil Tomasino, Luke Evangelista, and not only that, but Mark Janikowski and Keith for Sherwood were, were paper transactioned at the deadline. So those four guys, top-tier offensive guys, are coming to a Milwaukee team, but also as Yaroslav Sakharov, who after putting a, an 892 save percentage in the first 20 games, he's got, quietly got a 920 in his last 20 games. I think that especially because they're not going to be a top seed. They could be, you know, they'll probably play Manitoba in the first round. If, if it started today, they'll go through them. And then, you know, at number one, who's number one in that division again?
0: Central. Texas, Milwaukee. Texas, kind of Yeah. Back and forth. Uh... I think
1: against Texas, especially because they will not be getting reinforcements from Dallas. I think Milwaukee has a real, real solid chance to make a, a run to the, to the like, Calder to like final. I also think that there's, Something to be said about a guy like Tomasino you know, having the year he had after you know being a rookie, coming back down to the Milwaukee, doing great. And then when he got his chance now, he got 18 points in 26 games. It's not a small sample size either. And Evangelista's got about 13 and 19 right there as well. And then those guys are joining an already pretty well-run, tight-checking Milwaukee team that then those checkers will be moved down to secondary roles. And then you're dealing with a lot of depth. They're my favorite right now. That's all cool. I'll say about them.
0: Why, I guess my question, I don't disagree with you, but why are you so high on them? Like, because I think that a
1: Sakharov is getting, is getting that confidence in North America that he could. Listen, I know we talk about Dustin Wolf, and Dustin Wolf is, bar none, the best the league, but Sakharov's more raw. And I think he just got that other level to hit that he could be a game breaker like a Dustin Wolf is. And I think that now that he's getting comfortable and loose and whatnot, that's going to be huge for Milwaukee. And then also, I think Tomasino is an amazing player. Yeah. And, and I think that not at all knocking their approach to set him down or anything, but after this little recent stretch, him going to the HL playoffs, I think he's going to be electric. I think he has potential to be the absolute game changer. And Evangelista is solid too. Like, I mean, he's great actually. Like, I mean, I should undersell him.
0: I think um, the decision to send down Tomasito, you know, I think this is vindicated.
1: I oh, agree. I agree.
0: He came back, I mean, and I think to his credit, he came in, worked on the, the issues in his game that, that they felt he needed to work on, you know, the playoff, the puck, and all that. And you're getting a great teacher there in Carl Taylor, and then he took that back up to Nashville with him. And like you said, he's had a you know, pretty decent sample size. Now you come back to the AHL. Now you can really, you know, you won't have to put the team on his back, but he'll certainly be a player that you're counting on to do a lot of the lifting. I am just wondering, what if we got a uh, Calgary Milwaukee Western final, where you have Wolf Ascarf. That would be that would be fun because I mean would be let's awesome. say like let's say with Wolf. I mean, if you did a redraft, right? Like Wolf's an easy first rounder, right? Like yeah, um, uh, and then Ascarf obviously was a first rounder. So it's
1: a good point actually you make, but that that's where it'll come down to. In my opinion, the big difference there will be or the big matchup in that potential series would be a Wolf versus those big guns in Nashville or Milwaukee, sorry. But yeah, if we had, that'd be crazy. I also think another thing about Milwaukee too, is we always applaud Carl Taylor. He's a great, like Milwaukee's a system team. Like they just all are on the same page, right? They like, and when I say system team, I mean, they are, they move cohesively and they're a good unit. When you add some pop in that, in those skill guys I'm mentioning, plus a guy like Sakharov who, Listen, he's blossom. He could be an absolute superstar in these playoffs. I think you have a good recipe to win because you need that. You need that jam that Alalo has played with, like Cole Schneider, right, top scorer, but he kind of plays with that grit. Other guys, top to down, you know, up and down the lineup. Isaac Ratcliffe, new addition, he's doing quite well as well. These are all some really solid secondary pieces that you need, and then you throw on again the offensive pop. It's it's a hard combination to beat.
0: Yeah, I, I had a really good chat. I mean, Carl Taylor is always a great person to talk to, right? And I, I actually I asked him about Ratcliffe, uh, Ruchoff, uh and you know a few other players that you know coming in, you know, and like like Ratcliffe for example, like he had the hardest time there in Lehigh Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just was not working for him. And just Carl Taylor, you know, is sort of the opposite of what you might expect. He's like, we don't really pay a whole lot of attention to what happened in the past. We don't even really. We watch a minimum of video, which is the bare minimum that we need to see, just to get a sense of the player. Why and is that? They want they don't want anything that's gonna come in and cloud their perceptions of that I'm, player. Right. Like I when see. they say we want you to come in with with a a fresh start, like they mean it. It's not just lip service. And I see in order to have that fresh start, you sort of need to not have that you know, sort of the, those ideas in your head as a coach, uh, you know, that you've you know watched it and you've started to pick apart a part player's game, like come in with a true fresh start. Like we don't know you basically. Yeah. And you're, you're just almost, you're a guy off the street. except you know, obviously you're a player and you know, we don't want to talk a whole lot about what happened in the past. We want to see, all right, what are you now? And where are you going? And like, that's the Carl Taylor mentality. I think with, with a lot of things, you know, he's, he's, he's not a guy that will sit there and, in, and, in, Overanalyze everything to death, right? Like right. you know, he's very he's very much now you know in the, in the presence, and uh, you know I think that's why he really connects well with players. Like totally, Just is he's just very kind of like you know very very plain spoken guy. He's not a you know you know he's not trying to put on any sort of airs or anything like that. It's just what you see is what you get, and you know players I think really connect well in that sense. So, like you said, this is a very well coached, very structured team. I'll ask you though, as a counter, as a sort of a devil's advocate. Yeah. If you're trying to bring in, let's say four or five, six players, top end players too, coming in from Nashville. Right. Now they're trying to reintegrate them into the lineup. And then you're, now you're pushing guys down the lineup. And then in some cases out of the lineup. Yeah. How does that all mesh together? Just sort of get everyone back on chemistry wise.
1: Well, I think if anyone, obviously, that situation you're outlining may not always affect players that have done it before, but I think there's kind of a common understanding of the HL. That's how it works. Right. And I think there's a domino effect that is kind of expected, right? You get those reinforcements, you have to move down a slot. Mm -hmm. And I think that it'll work fine because the players that are doing well for Milwaukee with Carl Taylor are like probably for my money, some of the best, if they're sorted in this spot, could be some of the best quote unquote middle six energy guys in the league. Yeah, and so and they have we, a Zach Sanford coming down. That's a heavy player, with the NHL experience, who also is you know a good forechecker in the AHL. These aren't like these are these are big ads, obviously, but also they're good two way players like Janikowski, uh, Key for Sherwood. Like those are those are all around guys.
0: It's a, yeah, so it's funny. Like like I was talking to Taylor with this, and he mentioned that what he says to his players: you're not just competing with the players that are around you right now in Milwaukee. You're competing with the guys that are in Nashville, and what? so. When game one of the playoff hits, um, you know, what you've been doing now, while those guys are away, will heavily influence where you are, if you are in the lineup, come game one of the playoffs. So I agree. um, Like he puts it right out there. He doesn't, you know, there are no guessing games with him as a coach. Um, The only reason I ask that question is just because I've seen it go both ways, right? Totally. No, it's a good point. You you send players down and either their head's not there or they're just, for whatever reason, it just doesn't connect. Mm -hmm. And you see kind of, it can really disrupt the chemistry. I don't think that will be the issue in Milwaukee, Mm
1: -hmm. but
0: it's always something I do keep in the back of my mind of like, all right, you are trying to, you know, essentially you're potentially changing about a third of your lineup.
1: Right. Um but at least no, those sorry, players was, have played there, which is one advantage. True. Like that's one I do see what you're saying, but I think for them, given that those guys have been together for up until yeah. February, right? Yeah. Like if you if you so that's a long bit of runway and knowing where everyone slots in when they're quote unquote healthy or at full strength. So yeah. I think if anything, from my vantage point, they're just getting their guys back that were already there and they're gonna be that much better because of the experience. Let's move on to the team of the week before we close off today's show. Pat, how about you start us out with uh, Victor Sorderstrom, player that he's actually with Arizona right now for yep. um, the last 20 games or so, I believe. But he's been with Arizona all year, and this is a big year for him, obviously, to kind of take that step.
0: Yeah, so I uh, had a really good chat with uh, Tucson's people, and uh, yeah, he's been a, you know, obviously he's 11th overall pick. He's, he's been, they've really taken their time with him. Um, 180 AHL games. I mean, so the, they, they haven't rushed it by any stretch of the imagination. No. No. You know, that's a team where, let's be honest, like Arizona's struggled uh, in the last, well, several years, but certainly in the time since Soderstrom's been there um, in the system. And they, they've resisted any urge to bring him up and, uh, and um, push him too much too soon. So, But now the last two months or so, he's, he's been getting a real good run. And he's, he's been playing 20 minutes a night in some cases. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I'm excited to see him come back for the playoffs. Now, Tucson actually has to get in there. They're still in pretty good shape. They have a four-point lead going into the weekend, but they do play Texas back-to-back games. So um, they are in a situation where it could potentially come down to the final weekend. Them and San Jose are battling really for that last spot. In that, When was the last time game.
1: Tucson was in the playoffs?
0: So that's it's funny you bring that up. Um, so Arizona's had a heck of a time with their development program. For years, uh, really, since they left Winnipeg. I mean, like
1: a good time? Like fun? No, okay. not a good time. Okay, bad, bad time. Okay, so bad time. In,
0: in Tucson alone, you know, so they came in 2016. They, they've gone to the playoffs once. They won a, they won one series. They were knocked out the falling ground. That's been it. Now, obviously, the last couple of years have been a little bit screwy with playoffs. But before then, uh, I went back, you know, through a multitude of affiliations. Um, mm mm-hmm you you would have to go back to 1996 97 come on i kid you not wow um that's way worse for though. the last time they went out on an natural run that year they went to the eastern final but they were in, this is how far back we go they were in a dual affiliation with the hartford whalers
1: <laughs> okay so we're talking like eons. we're ago. talking
0: eons ago we're talking yeah. players that are long since retiring shane doan was uh just a young Jeez. prospect he was actually with the team on, on that run but uh, that, that gives you a sense of how far back we're going so
1: now it's josh doan's time
0: to now it's back. josh so we're talking literally a generation
1: because right? now josh Jones on the tucson Roadrunners and is about to lead into the promised land
0: so that gives you a sense of just
1: how long
0: for for the urgency and also just 25 plus years since really Arizona prospects have gotten that, that, you know, we talk about all the time, that playoff experience, a valuable chance to really play high pressure games. So it's a good point. There's a lot of urgency right now, especially, you know, obviously, especially
1: important for Arizona, a team. Right. They need need,
0: something positive, right? Yeah. You
1: need players that come cheap too. Like, you know, it's smaller market, untraditional market. They, they need to be developing guys, their own guys.
0: Yeah. They're not, they're not going out and signing free agents. So if they're not developing, they're not, they're not doing anything. Right. And so I think for the first time, so they have John Ferguson Jr. running the operation in Tucson. Obviously, Bill Armstrong running the operation uh, up top. Yeah. So I think they really do have a good, good team in place now. And they've been together now for a couple of years. So it's going to take a little bit while longer to start to s- see some of that fruit. But, you know, like Matthias Michelli came through Tucson last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barrett Hayton uh, got some time in Tucson. Now he's obviously gone up and, and started to really find his game at the nhl level so slowly but surely you know they add Soderstrom to that list a few other players you are starting to see some dividends dividends start to pay off and but it has been a it's been a rough journey for that's for that franchise like i said going back to the mid-90s wow
1: all right to close it off pat give us the last two what you think about them
0: last two so yeah um milos kellerman um they're very high on, uh, he's your classic power forward. Right. Right. Um, you know, I, was, I was talking and they project him as a bottom six. I, I was a little surprised. I was taken back. I thought, well, maybe there's a little bit more like middle six. Now maybe we're splitting hairs a little bit, but uh, right. he's another player where they, um, you know, they've taken their time with in And then uh, Vladislav, uh, Kolechonok, he came over from Florida, second rounder, uh, they rave about him, like the 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 amount of um, improvement he's made this year. He's always had like the the the, the tool set in terms of skating, you know, and mm-hmm. skill set, but just it's all the way he thinks the game now has gotten so much better, and so he's a real big, real important part, I think, of that future that Arizona blue line. Mm-hmm. And so you know they have a real good team in place there. John Slaney, uh, HL Hall of Famers, running the defense in Tucson. So you're getting some real good, um, real good training now. So as I said, it's been a, it's been, it's been a journey, but I, I do think, uh, if you're an Arizona coyotes fan, you are starting now little by little to, to get some positivity coming, coming down the road
1: sure, thing. Good stuff, Pat. All right. For this episode, we are going to call it a wrap right here. See you guys next week for our Calder cup preview. Maybe we'll get into some end of season thoughts as well. But last episode of the regular season will be next week. And then we're into the Calder. Thanks for listening, guys. Take care.